Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening. Special shout out for our producer, Jackson Agello, who's on vacation on an island right now and producing this podcast. And he's got a spectacular tan one day in. No tan, also on an island, I guess, technically, not technically, literally, is Tim Bontemps in New York City. That is true. And the way it's raining outside, it might be an island in other ways. So we'll see. (laughs) Joining us from Dallas, Texas, uh, he's headed to Salt Lake City tonight for the... um, what is the technical name of this Salt Lake Summer League? It's the Salt Lake City Summer League, which is pretty- <laughs> that's, that's a very tech, very technical name. <laughs> that's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners! Not banned from Salt Lake Summer League. His his uh, his reputation is still good. They still love me in Utah, in the state of Utah. Enough people. Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard, but Dame Lillard uh, asked for a trade. It was almost anticlimactic. When it finally happened, it was like, why did it take you so long? The Blazers have let it be known that they would have signed Jeremy Grant to that five-year, $160 million deal either way. And so I guess I'll take them at their word for that. If I didn't know better, I would say that Jeremy Grant owes uh, Dame Lillard a summer home on an island somewhere because uh, I find that hard to believe, but I'll take them on there. I guess I'll take them at their word. However, uh, the, the other thing they could do is say, there's no way we'd assign this guy to this or agree to this deal with this guy, which technically they could back out, but good luck ever engaging. No, in, no they know, cannot. You, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, yeah. technically, realistically, you can't. So it's like, what are you going to say? Wow, we we're stuck with a guy that there's no way we'd have paid this kind of money. Otherwise you can't say that either. So I, I obviously I don't have all the information. I just don't understand what we're doing here. I don't understand why they went into free agency pretending like they still were going to do what Dame had asked. Yeah. I don't understand why Dame looked at the lay of the land and thought they could have done anything and waited until 36 hours into free agency where, you know, no doors were like slammed shut, but situations were limited. I just don't get it. Well, there were I no, there it. were no doors that existed realistically. Well, <laughs> that may be true, but okay. I guess we should focus I mean, on going forward. Every, not looking every, back. Yeah. I mean, everybody in that whole equation was living in this weird dystopian reality where it was like, Oh yeah, we got a chance to be competitive. And yeah, I could still win a championship in Portland when I think everybody involved knew that wasn't possible. And instead of just like facing reality and doing this trade earlier, then they just get to this point. Now it's like 12 hours into free agency. It's like, Oh, the free agents are gone. I guess somebody's coming here now. I'll ask for a trade. Like, okay, sure. I don't know. It's just been yeah. the whole process has been very odd. Draymond went back to the Warriors three seconds into free agency. We weren't able to pull off a miracle of having no cap space, but somehow outbidding the Warriors to get him. I guess I'll request the trade. Draymond went back to the Warriors a long time before the start of free agency. <laughs> when they had that meeting on Monday, Draymond was back with the Warriors. Let's be honest. Um, also, 
I will say, okay, let me just say this. We all know that the the Dame wants to be in the Miami. We all know that Miami could not make the best offer. Mm -hmm. So what I am now trying to weigh and a lot of people in the league are trying to weigh is will the Blazers make the deal that Dame wants them to make? Or will the Blazers make the deal that they want to make? Or, and my guess is it will be somewhere in, you know, in this zone. It'll be in the middle. It won't be the ideal deal for the Blazers, but Dame will probably end up in Miami. Not 100%, but I would guess probably when all the dust is settled. Do you, do you guys disagree with that assessment? Yeah, I think that's, look, and that's been the most likely scenario for weeks now, right? It's this interesting thing now, though, where how much, like, is Joe Cronin, as the Blazers' general manager, obligated to give Dame what's he, what he wants? But because Dame has been such a great face of the franchise, he's been everything that you want in that role from performance to off the floor, you know, involvement, community, et cetera, et cetera. Do they owe him that? Because I think you can argue that Dame gave up the right to dictate where he goes when he signed an extension for whatever the numbers are, an extra two years and 120 odd million. So that, that how that plays out, I, I'm intrigued to say the least. Look, here's what I would say. Should I think they should try to not trade him to a terrible team mm-hmm. where he doesn't have a chance to win. I don't, that don't make sense to trade him to a team where he doesn't have a chance to win anyway. But like, for example, I've sort of said all along, I see this ending up with him being in Philly. And whether he is really all that jazzed about living in Philadelphia or not, if the Blazers find a way to get a deal with Philly. It's built around Tyrese Maxey and draft picks. Tyrese Maxey, in my opinion, is the best realistic talent on the board that they can get, whether they flip him for more picks or whatever. It's hard for me to see like that being some sort of terrible outcome for Damian Lillard if he gets to go be playing pick and rolls with Joel Embiid on a team that would have a chance to win a title in Philly, right? I, so I, I, I think that's the best place for him to be basketball-wise. Well, I, th- I that's think you not- can make... Well, I but think that's not where it. I think he's going to. That's not where I think he's going to be. Well, right. I think you make an argument. The Miami fit is as good is, is as good or better from that standpoint. But I just think from the beginning, as all this stuff has been percolating for months, Philadelphia has the best piece on the board, which is Tyrese Maxey to put in a trade. So obviously they have a whole complication because of the James Harden situation. And they have to find a way to get because they only could trade one pick. So they have to find a way to get enough in a James Harden trade to put with Tyrese Maxey to have enough to make a Dame trade palatable for Portland. But I think there's a path for them to do that. And I think if they do, again, it's not sending Dame to the one team he said he wants to play on. But I also don't think that they're, quote unquote, doing badly by him, sending him to Philly. So, you know, that's where I would, I guess it would land at. And also, frankly, there's not a lot of teams that are going to be interested in Dame, I don't think. He's got $200 million owed to him. He's 33 years old. And he's a 6'2 point guard. Those well, players is, tend to fall off a cliff, and a lot of teams already have point guards. This is so. something that now this is a nuanced take that will probably be taken out of context, and there's nothing I can do about it. Part of the compensation that Phil, that uh, Portland will get by trading Dame is getting out of that contract. Right. That doesn't mean that he's not still a great player. Right. But, but that, that contract on that contract for a team that doesn't have a chance yes. of doing things not. You know, it's, it's tough. It's a, it's a, there's a little stomach churn when you think about the back end of that deal. Now, Look, 
four you years. You know what Damian Lillard's owed when he's thirty-six years old? You want to know the number? I'm going to look it up right now. It's Sixty-three I believe it's, million. I believe, I believe it's sixty-three million dollars. And look, here's the thing: he could still be averaging like twenty-seven points at age thirty-six, but it is there is some worry. You know, there right. there you know there is some risk in that that they would be offloading. Mm-hmm. as part of that and part of that would be the compensation is the offloading of that risk especially when you are positioned to flip your franchise around as they are positioned right. um, and there's a quantity of that that they're taking on one of the things that clearly is an issue here is tyler hero there is no functional way for miami to do this trade really without including tyler hero in it and i don't mean like in the trade machine. I mean that if you look at the salaries that Miami has right. and you know the way that they have spent in luxury tax, they have paid the tax, but they've been careful about it. It is not going to happen where it, when this all settles that the Heat have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, and Dame Lillard. That is not going to happen. Tyler Hero, for this to happen, is going to be off the team. Portland, it seems like, does not want Tyler Hero. Not necessarily because they don't think he's a good player or that he doesn't fit with their team, although they do have a lot of guards, but because he is starting a $120 million contract. And I'm not so sure that they think that that's going to be a, a contract that it's going to be very tradable right. if it's not traded now. And they have so a they have, player who's on a $100 million contract and Anthony Simons. That's right. So the, the issue is, if you're going to trade Tyler Hero, what is his value? If you're going to retrade him, a team will take that. will take him if they gets a good deal on him because of the 120 million owed. I'm not so sure teams are going to be bending over backwards to pay big compensation for Tyler Hero. So we've already got a challenge with the Dame trade, mm-hmm. and even if you're able to come to an agreement that okay, this is what we'll take from the Heat, you then have the same issue to then retrade Tyler Hero. Which is or, why, or or Simons in theory, right? Or One Simons, you're right, oh, yeah, exactly. And so, and then if you look at Philadelphia, you have the Harden trade, which has to be executed. And I'm not so sure how big the market is, honestly, for Harden. I think you know we've been saying the Clippers and Knicks, there might be a team or two lurking out there, just as there's a team or two lurking on Dame. I don't think those teams are looking at paying big value. I think they're thinking we might get into this if the price gets to gets right. So well, we've got necessarily pay big value because they are pretty limited in terms of tradable assets, whereas the Knicks could. But why should the Knicks give big value to James Harden when, depending on what happens with Harden, the watcher might be available? And the, the watcher, of course, I'm referring to Joel Embiid's pretty transparent tweet. Okay, so a couple of things here. I didn't see his tweet, actually. Yeah, he just said the watcher. The watcher. He tweeted the watcher. I assume he's referring to him watching how things play out. Yes, I would. Let's just say I would say that's his approach. Yeah. I can can say that. Informed opinion on that. You are not uncertain. I am not uncertain. That is correct. Okay. All right. So now we have posturing games here. Posturing game out of Philadelphia. One, the Sixers are not afraid to let it be known that they don't think necessarily it's over with James Harden, that maybe everybody was just a little bit in their feelings and a little bit fired up about the, with the state of the negotiations on Thursday and Harden very angrily picked up his option 
that it may not be over. That I don't know if I even there, frame it that way, Brian. I think I think the way I would frame it is the Sixers, I think, will do their best to trade James Harden. And I think if they could do, let's say they could do a Damian Lillard deal, right? If they can get enough from the Clippers, let's because the Clippers seem like the most obvious landing spot. Let's say the clip they can get enough of the Clippers, do a Dame deal, and they do that with Phil with Portland, right? I think they'll happily do that. Or if they can find some other deal for James Harden that gets them back stuff that can allow them to be competitive right now, I think they'll do that. I think if they can't, which outside of a Clipper deal, I'm not sure they can, then I think they might just say to James Harden, hey man, listen, you opted in. We don't have a deal that makes sense to do. Come back and play well this year and get yourself paid next summer. Here's yeah. the problem. The club tour, club tour 20, right. Club tour 2021, right. Which mm-hmm. was when he's showing up late to training camp after going to clubs. Well, was working with those personal trainers in Vegas, uh, hanging with a little baby right. as training camp opened in Houston. Okay. I do think there's a bit of a significant difference between now. and Okay. Well, hold on. Though. He's not okay. done. And the West coast trip of 2022, specifically that I believe that game in Sacramento where he might as well put up a white flag over his, his locker in that game. So the Sixers can say that they don't want to, that they're going to just try to run it back and we'll figure it out at the end. It comes down to whether Harden is going to do that. Now you can say what you're going to say. What's well, different. Go ahead. I think the significant difference between now and at that point in time is that James Harden is clearly not viewed around the league as a, max salary star that you're going to go out and pursue because if that if he was seen as that kind of player then he wouldn't have had to opt out of his he wouldn't have had to opt into this contract right he opted into this contract because even his old team in Houston was more interested in signing a different point guard than him and I do think that as James Harden is entering his mid-30s if he wants to get a significant contract next summer I think he has to show up and play ball this year somewhere. As you you pointed out correctly when he opted in, he can't extend off this deal. So it's not like he could say, oh, yeah, trade me to the Clippers where I want to be, and they'll give me money, and I'll be happy. Wherever he goes, he's got to play next year and play well to get paid. So I'm not – again, like I said the other night when we talked about this, I don't think it's an ideal scenario if you have James Harden on your team at the start of training camp. But I do think this is a potentially motivated James Harden to – show up for a year, play well, and then get paid. Okay, just to be clear, but that would require him to agree with that. It's one thing for the Sixers to, to say that. It's another thing for him to say that. So that's, that's the key difference. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts. 122 million. For your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists 
who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. The other thing that the Clippers, I'm sorry, that the Sixers are wanting to be known is that they are not going to trade Tyrese Maxey. They have made this clear to various people over the recent days. They are also not going to extend his contract, which we're going to get into in a second. They want you to know that you can't have Tyrese Maxey. Prime Michael Jordan is available. Don't call. 25-year-old LeBron James is available. Lose our number. Jonathan Tenacumpo says, I want to be a Sixer. If Tyrese Maxey is the ass, just keep walking. Tyrese Maxey, I have been assured, will not be traded, okay? So those are two things from the Sixers standpoint that are out there. I don't that. trust them at all on that, but 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 I will say to you that that is what is being said. It is now, a thing that uh, is being said. Okay. <laughs> there is an avenue that exists for Philly that is interesting. They allowed Shake Milton to walk to a multi-year deal to Minnesota. They allowed... George Yang, George Yang, George Niang, bang, bang, our guy from the pod in the finals. Congrats, uh, George, getting the three-year, $25 million deal from the Cavs. Anyway, allowed him to walk on a multi-year deal. Mm-hmm. They have not shown an interest in trading Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris has been involved in some trade discussions, and they have not shown an interest in trading him. And if anybody does want to trade for him, it's been made known that it would only be for expiring contracts. He is in the last year of his deal. At 39 million. Or crumble and cookies. And they have what's that? Or crumble cookies. Which he owns crumble cookie franchises, or at least is involved in crumble that's, cookie franchises. That, that's good marketing by him. He's smart. Which Tobias, only, Tobias is a very smart guy. Which only makes that interview more fantastic. It it, it is one of my favorite interviews of the last year, and it, it was only awesome. is aging. It, it was, was only awesome. is aging better. Yeah. So the reason that they don't want to extend Maxi, I think, and Bontemps, I don't want to speak for Bontemps. I think it's so that they can leave open the possibility of trading him. But of I've been course, told. Of course it is. No, no, no. Of course it is. No, no. <laughs> he is not available for prime Julius Irving. Okay. You know, what, you, know, you know what? I bet you they'll be willing to uh, entertain a uh, an extension discussion with him. I could, no, actually, I guess I couldn't do this. He would. He wouldn't be eligible the day after the second half of the trade deadline, would he? No. This, no. Okay. No, it's up till October fifteenth or whatever the date like, is. Well, I was thinking, like with the with the Mavericks with Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith, the different. Uh, different. Oh, the the By the way, no, ahead, it's Brian. it's it also doesn't make any sense why you'd make an ironclad decision on an extension on June 29th or June thirtieth. That's not the deadline. Tyre, until Tyrese is a really good player. He's not. Tyrese Halliburton or Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball or one of those kind of guys. He's a really good player who is also the he, perfect kind of guy to trade for a superstar like Damian Lillard. Yeah. He is not available for prime Will Chamberlain. Okay. So, well, and there's also one other reason you would potentially not extend him, which I think you're about to, to say. Yeah. Okay. Is that if you extend him, he goes on to the books for next season at his number, which would, if he's going to get a max, which I think is the only thing he would sign this summer, quite frankly, uh, especially looking at Halliburton getting a max, Des Bain getting a max. Congrats. Well, I mean, to he's, yeah, I mean, he's not, in the cal- he's not in the class of those players anyway. No, but, but he's not, but he's, he, he's, he's, you could argue he's, here's whatever. Yeah. Whatever okay. the number, whatever the whatever number the, is, 
his cap hold is thirteen million dollars. Whatever his extension will be or his new contract will be, will be far more than thirteen million dollars. So go ahead. The next year's okay. salary the three for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I will say this: one option that exists for the Sixers is to keep James Harden, keep Tobias Harris, not extend Tyrese Maxey, which they've said they're not, and clear their books off and basically have. Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey's cap hold on their books for next year. I don't know what they're going to do with Paul Reed. I don't know what they're going to do with other players. You know, everybody and their brother who's getting a minimum contract this offseason is getting player options in them, mm-hmm. which is very interesting on a number of fronts we're not going to get into. But guess who didn't, from what I understand? Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, who the Sixers signed. So there is an avenue that exists where the Sixers could head towards cap space for something like two max players next season. Now, I don't know what two max players are going to be available next season. And really nobody does because we still don't know what players are going to extend their contracts. Well, I went through and, the list just for the listeners. I went through the list of players today and there's two guys. I think I would give a max to next summer, Drew Holiday and Paul George. There's not, I don't even think there's a third one. That's an option. So, yeah, you'd, you'd go down the list to a, somebody like DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he wouldn't get a max, but you could go sure. after a player like that I mean, sure. if he doesn't extend. Your, you could talk about your DeJounte Murray's, Pascal Siakam's. That's true. Those guys are both yeah. on there. I just was skimming through the list. Assuming Jalen Brown's going to get an extension. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. And those, there's a few guys, but it, it would be surprising to me that with Embiid in his prime, that they would spend a year saving cap space, but I'm will tell you that that Avenue is there and the moves that they have made leave that Avenue open. Should they like, should they prefer to go down it? And if they, and if they could even trade Harden under that scenario, but instead prioritize expiring contracts, because that's the thing. If you do a deal with the Clippers or another team, even if you do the deal with the Knicks, there are avenues to do those deals built around picks and expiring contracts, as opposed to. Sure players who can help you this year. Okay. That's my soliloquy bond temps. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, those are the, those are sort of the avenues they have, right? Try to turn Harden into a star or, or multiple high level players, run it back this year. If they can't find a better deal and try to do something next summer, or I guess the, the other one, I guess the third one goes with the first one, which is to try to get Dane, right? Like those are the three paths they have. I think they're going to wind up with Dane because it just doesn't seem like Portland likes Miami's offer. And if they like Miami's offer enough, it would have been done already. And maybe they'll That's end up true. doing Miami. Maybe they'll end up doing the deal with Miami. That is a very profound statement. Well, and look, Miami's front office with Pat Riley and Andy Ellsberg and Adam Simon, like those guys have been doing this for a long time. They're really smart. They, They've made a lot of big deals, man. Yes. They'll 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 be as they're as creative as any people in the league. They're gonna be scouting around trying to find a deal that Portland will do because they have clearly been planning to do this for a long time. You talk about Tyrese Maxey not getting an extension. The Heat signed Tyler Hero last fall to this extension. Part of the reason I believe they did that was that his contract would be on the books right now, and they have a good young player who's on a contract that they could trade right now, as opposed to a guy who's going out potentially getting a restricted free agent offer sheet. Then all that other stuff happens. It makes it very difficult to put him in a trade. So yeah, it would have been more ideal if he didn't miss the entire playoffs. Well, that, yes, yeah. but I, but my my point is Miami's been as we've talked about for months. Miami's been thinking ahead about trading for a star for months. So they're certainly ready to do that. But I do think like, I just think that in the end, Philly has the path to getting a, a Dame deal done that I think is going to be palatable to Portland. I just, you know, we'll see if they can pull it off. 
Well, one reason that a heat deal wouldn't be done now is because they haven't been able to find a destination for Tyler Hero, right? That that's like if they don't have the third team. Well, I think there's teams interested. Right. But if they haven't figured that, I'm saying you guys said if it was yeah. if they if they were happy with the heat's offer, they'd just have them in in Miami already. I'm I'm saying you've got to figure some things out. Well, I think it's been reported several places, and I don't know who to give credit to. I it's been a bit of a whirlwind and social media isn't even working right. It's been reported that the Nets would have interest in Hero, and I have heard that as well. And the Nets just made, I think they offloaded three contracts in the last uh, few days. Joe Harris, Patty Mills, and then I think there was one more, and now I, I don't have my list of transactions in front of me. But they've dipped down. Uh, they actually are below the cap. They actually have cap room at this moment. So they actually are a, t- a candidate to a- absorb a player. They're over um, the cap, but they're under the tax. Under the tax. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They're actually a candidate to, to make a trade where they bring in more salary than they, than they send out. And they also, they which, also have a certain player named Ben Simmons on a very large contract that they could potentially be looking to get rid of. And by the way, Tyler Hero handling the ball with all the, the wing defenders that the Nets have could actually look pretty good. Like that's an interesting fit. And the Nets have a lot of draft picks. So. You guys haven't mentioned the team that I think can put the best Dame deal on the table. And I'm, I'm about to about to, to get on a flight and head there tonight. I think that the Utah Jazz can, if they want to, and I know that they are at the minimum intrigued by the possibility. There's a lurker right there. Yes. That's your potential sleeper team. And by the way, <laughs> I think there would be uh, at least – some satisfaction that Danny Ainge might take by preventing Pat Riley from getting uh, well, there's, a there's star. no, There's no <laughs> question saying, about that. I'm not saying that's the motivation if the Jazz do indeed go all in here. But I, well, I, let me, I, I'm just let me say two things. Let me say two things. One, Dame does not have a no-trade clause, and he's got a four-year contract. Mm-hmm. Two, he has ties to Utah. He's, yeah, went to Weber State. And look, clearly Dame has, has said he wants to be in Miami. Uh, this would not be a case of the Blazers, quote unquote, doing right by Dame. But just, you know, again, just hypothetically, this is a hypothetical. This is not reporting any discussions. Just hypothetically, I knowing the Jazz as I do, we know this. As they were renovating the roster before the trade deadline, as they were discussing, they said there's three guys off limits. Larry Markin, Walker Kessler. And uh, God, I was botched the guy's name, Ochai Agbaji, the, just finished his rookie year. I think there'd be two guys that would be off limits in this, Markin and Kessler. And essentially, you're probably looking at some kind of combination of like, you know, you're Colin Sexton, Olenek to make some salary work, probably Tan Horton Tucker to make some salary work. One of the young guys either in this draft class or, you know, Agbaji, something like that. And then why would they, why could the Jazz make the best offer? Because they have a ton of picks. They've got. Take your selection of the Cavs and, 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 and Wolves. Which years do you want? Cavs, Wolves, and that Lakers 2027. Plus, they, uh, the, the Jazz owe their own 2024 to, uh, to the Thunder, top 10 protected, but then they've got all their own picks. So they've got a ton of picks. And as, as you mentioned, They've got, I believe, two more Cavs picks plus swaps. They've got three more 
Wolves picks plus a swap and that 2027 top four protected Lakers pick. If they want to, they could put together a package of picks that would just absolutely dwarf anything at Philly or a Miami or a Clippers or really anybody outside of uh, Oklahoma City or uh, I guess even New York, even bigger than that. My point is, I think if the Jazz are motivated, they could put together the most attractive package to Portland. And then I guess the question is, should they be that motivated? Well, let me ask you this. What is a team with Walker Kessler, Lowry Markinen, John Collins? I, I guess he could be added, but I would doubt he would be. In he that, couldn't be but, added for a couple months, but yeah. No, because he, he was acquired with cap space. I think he can be added. Oh, I think. I don't want to plan to come by Whatever. Still. All right. Fine. Lowry Markinen, John Collins, Walker Kessler. Uh, Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. He is not going to be traded because he just got extended. He is not going to be able to be traded. And Dame Lillard, what would that team be? You know, I think they'd still have some depth. I think they'd be, I think if Dame's healthy, Markadon is the guy that we saw last I mean, Mark, I mean, I got to say this. Dame and Collins would do some damage. Dame and Collins would do some damage. Kessler is, is going to be, I mean, he had a great second half to his rookies, really great rookie season, but especially second half as a starter, he's a stud. Defense. I, he's the best center Dame's ever played with. I, I would go so far as to say that i I think i think they'd be a threat did the marcus aldridge ever play center was he always powerful i mean he was pretty good here if i was the jazz i would be more interested in say getting tyrese maxi as part of a trade where dane goes to philly that's interesting too because i it's a very maxi is not available for prime larry bird okay we let's (laughs) the, the, the the bid is old we uh I'm it's an intrigue. You make a really compelling argument, McMahon. And obviously they've they're doing a great job building that thing up. I just don't know if the the move for them to move all their chips in is for a guy who's got a couple of years left as a high level player. Like they've got so much runway with this group. I think they should be a little more prudent and waiting to pick off somebody else that comes along that's a little younger that would have some more like for example if there's a deal where Tyrese Maxey is involved if if say Portland doesn't want to have another guard with Scoot get him with that group where he's got like 6 years of runway like yeah okay like sign me up for that i just i i cuz to me like is that team good enough to get out of the first round like I, maybe? Yeah, I, I think i think it'd be good enough to be a threat in the west if, well, but Dame, uh, if Dame is averaging an efficient thirty per game like he did last year, I think it would. I mean, are they better? Are they better than Memphis? Are they better than Phoenix? Like, would they beat the Lakers in a series? Would they beat the Clippers? And it's like, I they might. I, I don't know. That's just a lot. The two, to push the two in. sides of the two sides of that coin are one, they're not gassing their assets to get them here. They're not like where the Cavs were a year ago with like, okay, we've given everything and now we're kind of desperate. The other thing is, if you're Utah, the chance to trade for a star is rare, and the chance to trade for a star with four years on his deal, and you may retort that you don't like the four years on the deal, and that's right. a fair retort. But that, and I'm not disagreeing with you about where they would be in hierarchy. I'm just saying it wouldn't be done. They didn't necessarily I, yeah. be done. And, and, I, I just, and I would say the 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 biggest reason that when you're the Jazz, you stockpile picks like that is because that's your best chance to eventually get a star. 
Um, now, you could say, well, the other chance to get a star would be to bottom out and get lucky in the lottery. Well, they didn't bottom out, so and they're not going to now. Right. So their best chance to get a star is, hey, we've got a ton of picks, some of which are perceived as having pretty significant value. Let's package them up. And then, you know, if that's what you're trying to do, how selective can you be on which superstar you, you go after? I think you, you well, might hey, you got to take your shots when you can. I would argue that if you look around the league right now, there are very few teams with a lot of ammo to make a star trade at all. And you've got some really good young pieces. You've got a great young coach. You've got a terrific front office with Justin Zanuck and, Pat and Danny Ainge. And you're really building something. And like you said, the Wolves certainly could be headed for a mess. The Cavs are a team that with far out picks in a small market, that could, those picks could be pretty valuable down the road. Like you got some really attractive ammunition there to go get a star down the road. I just would be wary of doing it now to have a team that I'm honestly not sure would be in the top six. I, again, Dame is 33. I'm like the Lakers. Well, I mean, look, the West yeah, is that played out too. It, it, well, you, you like to play out jokes. That is your move. Thank you. Thank you. But you're good at it. But uh, I just, that would be my only concern. It's a look, if they make a trade for Dame, it's not going to sit here and say it was a terrible idea, but I just, I just don't know if it makes sense with where the rest of their team is at. Yeah. I, you, you're, let me ask you this. Uh, what do you team in a deal? Is I, I'm just saying, I, I expect Utah to at least have some level of involvement in discussions. If they're, if, whether they end up being in a deal or not, you know, there, there's potential opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. Ramona has reported. And like, I've heard this as well. And I didn't just hear it in the last three days. I heard it a while ago. The Dame does indeed have interest in the San Antonio Spurs. Talk about being on a different schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Victor, Victor's 19. Is this something we should even take seriously? It doesn't seem, again, for sort of a similar reason, like you talk about valuable picks, future Atlanta Hawks picks are valuable picks. I would, I feel pretty good having those. And you look at the moves that the Spurs have made this summer. They've been pretty minimal to re-sign Trey Jones. Obviously they got Victor in the draft. They, they look like a team that's going to be pretty methodical yep. in building this thing. You didn't give them credit for picking up Jetty Osman. They got, they got Jetty Osman. That's true. That, Nice little maneuver to get him for nothing. Um, he'll help them a little bit this year. But I, to me, with where their team is at again, like I don't, I don't think moving the chips in for Dame now makes sense either. Because essentially, you'd probably be giving up those good picks you've got from Atlanta to do that. And I, I just don't see the point. Like, why would you sign up to have a thirty-six-year-old Dame making sixty million dollars when Victor's coming off of his rookie deal? Yeah, like, and that they seem. They seem, like you said, methodical, I think is a good word. They seem very happy with using this year to kind of evaluate how Victor fits with the young pieces that they have in place. And then, you know, see what how they feel about the potential, how they feel about that fit, and then move forward. Um, but, you know, I think they're another team you've got to pay attention to in terms of uh, is, is there a way for them to be involved as, you know, a third team or I, mean, I guess you can even say a fourth team and and somehow benefit from this? Well, again, well, this comes back to whether Tyrese Maxey might enter the bloodstream. And also, 
Or Tyler Hero. Or Maxi. I mean, or uh, Simons. I mean, Simons is uh, a player that people value. He, you know, he, his contract, um, especially as you look at some of the contracts people have gotten, uh-huh. it's not, it's not awful. Well, I thought, I remember thinking they might have, they might have, some of the things they were saying and doing at the end of last season, I thought they might have maxed them and they didn't. So, it's, yeah, that, I mean, they didn't max them, but again, I, that, that's sort of the tricky part of this, right? Like they've got, I mean, they clearly, they're not happy with the use of Nurkic contract on their books. You know, there's been talk. They want to get that off of their books in a trade. The Simon's deal does not look the best. You've got, obviously you've got Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson that they want to play. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of complicating factors here for this. And while look, you could say San Antonio might get involved. You could say a team like Utah might come out of nowhere and get involved. I just ultimately don't think there's going to be a lot of suitors here. And that's where I think that's why I sort of think it's going to come down to to McMahon's point. Can they find, can Miami find a way to turn Tyler hero into stuff that Portland really wants, or can Philly turn James Harden into enough stuff to put with Tyrese Maxey to get a deal done. And it feels like that's sort of the either or to me with how this will play out. And maybe somebody will come in and surprise, but like even Brooklyn, like Brooklyn has all these picks in the future, right? I don't know. There's a certain guy in McMahon's hometown that I might be monitoring to see if the chaos agent that the Nets dropped in there helps blow <laughs> the franchise. How dare you? And, and then maybe he's available in a trade in a year or two because they're falling off the board. Or Giannis, as we've talked about a bunch. You're talking about Dwight Powell? Absolutely talking about Dwight Powell. Or, you know, we've talked about Giannis a bunch. He can extend this fall. Right. Like, again, see where that's at in a year. See where Joel Embiid is at in a year. Yeah. Like, I just think those there's are, a lot. Those are probably the three at the top of the team's list of, of uh, as they're having sweet dreams. And if you're and if you're a team like the Nets or the Knicks who have options to look at, because, again, you have, you have options to go get stars potentially to want to come play for your team. Right. Because you're in New York. You have draft picks. You have some young players. I would not be as interested in trying to trade for a 33-year-old guy who's at the end of his prime as opposed to any one of those other three guys who could come on the market who you then could throw your whole war chest at in a year. There is a uh, a head coach in this league of Serbian descent who has a very chummy relationship with uh, a certain young superstar who also comes from uh, the Balkans. We'll say that. That would be interesting. Yeah, just, just, I'm just saying. McMahon's trying to move um, to San Antonio. <laughs> I, th- I think I might get beaten to the punch on that one. <laughs> you might be right. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. 
another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic in tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. I want to talk about a couple of uh, interesting things from some Western contenders and some small moves in the last couple of days. Uh, the Phoenix Suns entered this this offseason, um, start this free agency period after the Bradley Beal trade. They really had very little to offer other than minimum contracts. There was some windows of them to be able to do something like uh, they lost Jock Landale to the uh, Rockets. Houston Rockets on a contract that was a lot bigger than I thought he would get. They could have theoretically done a sign and trade there. Actually, I don't think they could. But it's a football contract. It's a it's a one year guarantee. They couldn't. They also couldn't have paid him that much anyway. Yeah. So. Uh, but they could have gotten some stuff back. Anyway, the point is they had to do minimum. So they're they had a strategy though with their minimum contracts. Um, number one, I think they. I don't know for 100% sure. I think they've signed six of them. On I think on all of them, and don't hold me to this ironclad because not all of everything has come in. I think they gave all of them player options. Bobby Marks has them on four of their players. Eric Gordon, Damian on- Lee, Katie Bates, Jop, and Drew Eubanks. Okay. The player option thing is interesting for two reasons. One, it makes these players not able to be traded without their consent. It's a de facto no trade clause. And that the reason is because if they do that, it, they would potentially lose their bird rights. It just gives a, a player a, com- a peace of mind, maybe when they're evaluating several different minimum offers. The second thing is that I think is interesting is by doing that, um, if you just sign a veteran minimum to any, like what Patrick Beverly just did with the, with the uh, Sixers, we just signed the veteran minimum. The league, actually, there's a fund from the league. The league pays a big portion of that salary. It was something that was put in the CBA years ago because they didn't want teams that had to fill out their roster signing rookies or second-year guys who were a lot cheaper because the, the scale on veteran, on uh, on uh, minimum contracts is a lot cheaper for rookies. And so they wanted to make sure that those guys, those veteran guys, weren't at a competitive disadvantage. So the league pays for that salary unless it's a two-year contract, which is as much as you can go on a minimum or the possibility of a two-year contract, which is what these player options are. So the point here is, is that Bobby Marks uh, was telling me today that by signing all these guys like they did, it's costing Matt Ishbia an additional $8 million this year. Already, I think they're $90 million into the tax. <laughs> and he spent an extra $8 million because the Suns believed that in their negotiations, they, they could use this as kind of a, a little chip. And I'm, you know, right. look, I, when you're negotiating for minimums, it's not much, but the Suns had a strategy for how they offered the contract. The second thing that the Suns had a strategy on was the type of minimums that they signed. Bates Jop, Yuta Wananabe, both long-armed guys who shoot, can also shoot the ball well. Josh Koji, another guy with, I think, over a seven-foot wingspan. And so almost all these guys that they signed all, uh, you know, Eric Gordon is not uh, known for his length, but he is a good three point shooter. Uh, and he's shot he 37%. Guard, he can guard bigger guys because he basically is, he's built like a fullback. Like right. one reason and, uh, Rockets were so successful switching is because posting up Eric Gordon is a chore that is, is not much fun. Right. And uh, Chemezi Metu, uh, another six, nine guy that they got from the, uh, the Kings known for his, you know, he's another seven foot wingspan, 
another guy who's not awful uh, shooting threes. I'm not sure Drew Eubanks might even have decent three-point shooting numbers. But look, they, they were not at the, I always say there's no superstar store where you can go pick out exactly what you want off the shelf. You're yeah. limited in what you can get. But some of these guys were under in demand. Like, you know, several teams wanted Utah Wananabe. Several teams wanted Eric Gordon. And so, look, I'm not saying that, like, they've shot to the top of the West standings with this, but they have had, considering what they were, what they were having to work with, they, they have done a pretty good job. And you can see a strategy in what they're doing. And, I mean, I'm sure that Frank Vogel is sitting next to James Jones. And I definitely think that Josh Bartlestein, their new CEO, has played a role. And they have sat next to each other and rolled their sleeves up. And I think that there's definitely a strategy. Now, look, when you sign minimum Where's contracts. Where's Isaiah sit? Yeah, look, Isaiah is obviously a voice in that franchise. I don't think Isaiah Thomas is, with all due respect to everybody, identifying Chemezi Metu as as a, <laughs> as a signing. But but okay. The, the, um, the Kings played some on NBA TV last year. Isaiah, you know, he, he saw him in the studio. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas is a Hall of Famer as a player. But the when you sign minimum guys, and the Lakers fans certainly know this, sometimes they're duds. They're minimum players for a reason. So some of these signings are by percentage is going to be duds. I'm not saying that they've reestablished the uh, you know the 96 Bulls here, but I think they've had a very successful three days considering what their limitations were. No, I, I would agree with that. And look, when you have stars, right, especially stars like. KD and Booker, who you know are, are, are popular among other players, and you're in a, in a warm weather state in a in, in a city or near a city in Scottsdale that is is known to be an enjoyable spot for NBA players to spend off nights. You're going to have a chance to to do well in the minimum market, and 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 certainly uh, that that's been the case. With the Suns, by the way, I looked up Drew Eubanks. He was a 39% three-point shooter this year, seven of 18, but still. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't look at those numbers. I just saw the percentage, so I didn't, you know. I but know. look, you know, he is a he's a a functional, uh, at least backup big. Uh, you know, the DeAndre Ayton situation is still to be determined there. I mean, every time they talk about him, they're going to tell you how much they love him. Unless you're another team, and they're going to say, "Hey, you know, you got any any guys you're, you're looking to get off of that might make some sense for us? We'd love to we'd love to give this guy up." So we'll still see how that plays out. But they've got they're going to score a lot of points if those three guys are healthy, and they've put guys who make sense around them as far as you know, can they space the floor and can they guard? That's what they need, and, and they've they've at least gotten a handful of guys who are going to give them a chance to do that. Yeah, they did as well as they realistically probably could have done. Now, will it be good enough to get them where they want to go? We'll see. We'll see if their guys can stay healthy. We'll see if these guys can be good enough. But they didn't sign over, – overall, they signed a bunch of younger guys with a little bit of upside with some athleticism and length, which makes sense. And, you know, we'll see what version Eric Gordon is left. You know, if he's still a really solid player, then that could be a huge pickup. Could be kind of a dud. We'll see. Guys get in the mid-30s at this point sort of a hit or miss thing with that kind of a guy, but he certainly like you Pacific man has the kind of skill set to be able to play with those guys and be effective and is used to playing with big stars too, which is another thing that's a factor on a team like this and has a ton of playoff experience. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what they look like, but I do think overall 
if you're a Suns fan, you know, Phoenix went in the summer, needed to sign a bunch of minimum players. And it looked like they aggressively targeted guys that fit a certain vision and they deserve credit for that. And, you know, I, I think they, they, they have a better, they have a higher ceiling as of now than I thought they were going to a couple of days ago, based off of how this played out. I wouldn't say it's way higher, but it's definitely been a good couple of days. Odd times, you don't think the Nuggets have had a good few days, although their rings will look gorgeous in October. No, I think they've had a very, very bad couple of days. Um, they were they were kind of a thin team already that didn't really have any injuries last year, and they lost Bruce Brown and they lost Reggie. Uh, they lost they didn't lose Reggie Jackson. They lost Bruce Brown and they lost Jeff Green and they didn't replace him. And I mean they they've had a very good developmental system there. Um, and, and they're going to be relying very heavily on a lot of young guys on Christian Brown, on Peyton Watson, who showed some flashes last year in athletic wing. They, they drafted a couple guys this year in the draft, Jalen Pickett and, uh, Julian Strother. Like they're going to need them to probably play like they're, they're betting on Nicole Jokic doing his thing and lifting guys up and Christian Brown, who struggled at times in the playoffs had a couple big games and other times was not really in. Mike Michael Malone's rotation, like he's gonna have to. He's step a good up, looking. He's a good looking prospect on the rotation for I mean, sure. That's, that's but just, yeah, I mean for sure. But he barely played for most of the playoffs and was bad at times when he was out there. So it's a very big jump to go from that to playing thirty five minutes a game, which is what Bruce Brown was doing sometimes playing in the closing lineup over Michael Porter Jr. I'm not saying Denver's like falling off the map as a championship contender or something, but you know it's. It hasn't been a very good couple of days from a depth standpoint. It was and, surprising for that they, they used ten million dollar ten million dollar two year deal on Reggie Jackson, a guy who barely played for them. Yeah, I, w- I was surprised by that because I I believe they were just telling Jeff Green we want you back, but we can only give you the minimum. Jeff Green was a consistent rotation player for them, and obviously he's getting up there in the years, but <laughs> you can't tell. He got six million dollars from the Rockets. His market was there at six million. And Jeff Green was so. a great locker room guy. I was a little bit surprised. If you're going to pay, you know, five million a year for for a vet, seems to me it should be the vet who actually played for you in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, that one surprised me a little bit. Um, I'm also I was a little surprised that Christian Brown wasn't or isn't going to play uh, for their summer league team at all. And you can say, well, most rookies who who play significant rotation or rotation players don't. But if they want him stepping into Bruce Brown's shoes, which obviously they do, I thought he could have benefited from the same ball. Yeah, from the same thing that uh, the Memphis Grizzlies did with Desmond Bain. That's the thing about Bruce Brown: the guy handles the ball. You know, that was a key piece of their of their team. Right, Desmond because Bain they traded there. Monte Morris to get mm-hmm. Contavious Caldwell Pope, and and Monte Morris was one of the better backups in the league. And Bruce Brown coming in to handle it made a big difference for them. A big difference, and it also made a big difference for him in terms of bumping his value um, because he was able to prove he could do that. But you know, like the Grizzlies, after Desmond Bain's rookie year, when he was a very good role player, but he was basically just a captain shoot guy offensively, he said, "Hey." We don't see you as a point guard, but we want you to develop those skills. You're going to summer league, and you're going to be the point guard for a summer league team. If you turn the ball over eight times a game, we don't care. We want you working on that stuff. I thought putting Christian Brown in that same situation could have been beneficial, so I was a little surprised by that. They absolutely need Peyton Watson to be a rotation player. That's something they 
were anticipating anyway. And you know, like you said, he showed some flashes late in the season when they let him play. They weren't really trying uh, to win games. And then I got to mention the the second most impactful Slovenian in the NBA these days, now that Goran Dragic is gone, Vlatko Chanchar, the phenomenal half-court shooter, phenomenal half-court shooter, hit one uh, against the Mavs in that game where <laughs> they finished halftime or they finished the second quarter after halftime. I don't know if you guys remember that. I do remember, remember that. that. Yeah. Some weird, I forget exactly what happened, but like, uh, actually, there's an extra second on the clock. We'll just take care of it after halftime. They sub block go in there and then cool. <laughs> he hit a 50 some odd footer. And the funny thing is, he's lost a lot of money over the years to uh, half court shooting bets against Luca, but it's helped him develop <laughs> into that. Anyways. He's a guy who's played some. They need him probably to step into a, a at least a 10, 15 minute per game role uh next year as well. Yeah, I mean well, it's this is this is part of the the I mean it's part of the tax, frankly, of having an owner that doesn't want to spend a lot of money on his basketball team despite having a gazillion dollars. But this is also sort of what well, they're, the in the, system, they're in the tax now. They're in the tax. They so. are, but I mean they could have paid Jeff Green and they didn't. Uh, they're, they're looking for blue light specials. Yeah. I mean and they got some last year. So We'll see, but uh, you know, look, I'm just saying, like, uh, as I pointed out during the during the finals run, four of the you know the Nuggets played eight players in their championship run, and four of them they got last summer, and two of them now and, are gone. Well, hey, they did, right. they did bring back DeAndre. We can't, you can't be too bad of a. That is true, and DeAndre got minutes. I was setting this up in Game Five. <laughs> I was setting this up for our latest DeAndre mention as we get him into every pod, one, one way, shape, or form. They've got a couple first round picks this year. And so there's a couple guys that the Cronkies can target. Uh, Calvin Booth is made his, you know, he basically, one of the reasons he got the job as a general manager is because he's a good scout. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so yeah, um, they've had, I mean, they've had it. They've had a great, great developmental system there for a long time, but like they, they're really leaning on it now. Like, you know, they're going to need Zignaggi to play more minutes. Like all these young guys have got to step into big roles and, and produce. But the guy, the guy running will. the developmental program is uh, John Beckett, former Eckerd College Triton point guard there. You, you might know Eckerd College is a school that I went through a preseason program and realized I was going to be riding pine and decided my talents were better served the party, so I quit the team. He, he came around a couple of years later. <laughs> yeah, well, in the related story, you got to get to the airport for Summer League. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for listening to the podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's where we draw the line. Uh, might have had an extra much. 10 minutes of the pod, but McGann couldn't get his headphones to work. So. I, wanted to, I wanted to give my man JB a shout out. Listen, uh, it's fine. No offense to uh, JB. Um, I have no moral high ground on on equipment because uh, of my my microphone situation earlier this week. Anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you to Jackson who's doing this on vacation. Hope everybody enjoys their 4th of July. We'll see whether these dudes get traded. Um, I hope they do, but I'm suspecting it might take some time, but I have no inside information. Thank you to Bontemps, and thank you to McMahon. Adios, amigos. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. 
anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. 